Well, good morning, everyone. And I have good news to report. It's the last week of 2020. We're almost done. I think no matter who you are, we can all agree that 2020 has been a doozy of a year. I mean, of course, we're all thankful to be alive another year and have family around and all that, but I don't think anyone out there would say that this has been a great year overall. It's really had its share of disappointments, hasn't it? We didn't get to do the vacations that we were planning, our parties became Zoom calls, night outs became night ins, and that's not to mention that every kid's school year was turned completely upside down. It hasn't exactly been an easy year overall. You know, but in the beginning, quarantine really wasn't so bad. You probably remember it. It was actually kind of fun in a way. We got more family time, we played board games together, had a lot more dinners together, and if we were really good, we even started organizing our house, our house and putting our closets in order. Besides the whole worldwide pandemic part, being quarantined really wasn't so bad at first. Then things did start to get bad. We started hearing more about the death tolls. And it's one thing when you hear about deaths overseas, but now it's in our own country. Then all of a sudden it was people that we knew that were being affected by this virus. This year all of a sudden became a reality check of how things don't exactly always go the way that we want them to. Fast forward a, a few months to when I was assigned this passage that I'm speaking on for today's sermon. I was in my personal quarantine in my basement because I had just tested positive for COVID-19. That's why I'm down here right now. This is my basement, a place that I became very used to because I spent part of every day for two weeks right here in this basement. You know, kind of cozy, not great lighting, kind of get used to it, but this is where I was. And believe me, as some of you very well know, it's a weird feeling when you're the one who has it. You think, how in the world did this happen? Who was I around? I thought I was doing so well with social distancing. Telling my wife was the really tough part. When I got the call from the doctor, I immediately put on the most serious mask that we owned, and I walked in to tell her the news that I had COVID. Teresa immediately burst into tears, and I knew what those tears meant. And let me be clear, it wasn't because she was scared about my health. No, it was because she was eight and a half months pregnant and already showing signs of early labor. We were both hit with the realization that there was going to be a real possibility that I would be missing the birth of our son. Of all the disappointments that 2020 has brought, this was going to be the worst. Despite the symptoms that I was feeling, the headaches, the nausea, the body aches, even despite the anxiety of what-ifs of having the virus of itself, none of that mattered all of a sudden. Teresa and I spent a long time that night talking about what were we going to do if she were to go into labor? which happened 10 hours later. I was right here in my basement attempting to sleep on a very uncomfortable air mattress uh, so I wouldn't be around and potentially infect, infect uh, my family. When at 3 a.m. I got a phone call from Teresa saying, it's time. So with mixed emotions, I threw in my N95, which is one of the many new terms and phrases that we're all very used to now, and ran upstairs to be with Teresa. I grabbed our hospital go bag, which I had been ready for weeks, and I angrily and annoyingly took out all of my items since I was no longer going to be allowed in the hospital. We woke up Luca and Enzo, our 13 and 12-year-olds, to tell them that we were going, and our daughter, Katara, who was 11 and a half months old, was very confused when I woke up and I put her in the car seat and we headed to the hospital. 
Obviously, getting the virus isn't a shameful thing, of course, but not being able to help my own pregnant wife walk into the hospital was the lowest I've ever felt as a husband. So many of us have been in a similar situation this year when we're not able to be there for someone we care about. It's a very helpless feeling all around. All we can do is just sit there and worry and stress out. We can also do that too. So my sister-in-law got to the hospital in time to be Teresa's support person, thank God. But it was a pretty heart-wrenching moment watching her run into the hospital in my place. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. I tried driving around for a while, but that felt weird. So I went and I just sat in the hospital parking garage in my car. Just thinking about how much I hated the situation I was in. I spent time looking for someone to blame and I was mad at myself for not being even more careful about social distancing. And if you remember last year when I spoke during this same week, I told the story of when Katora was born and how her birth was so dramatic and that when she was born, she was barely breathing and Teresa had uh, even passed out from loss of blood and, and Katora and I had to spend hours alone in the ICU. And that was such a lonely time. So this pregnancy, we were both so excited about us just being able to have a normal routine birth. But instead, my wife was now without her husband by her side to hold her hand, which is what she told me that's all she wanted this time. So that's what I was thinking about. How I let down my wife and my soon-to-be newborn son. I was thinking about how I was already missing out on part of my son's life. Instead of thinking about how he was entering the world and all the great things that God had in store for him. So after I ran out of all those unhelpful self-pity things that I was thinking about, I decided to look up the passage I was going to be speaking on for the upcoming sermon. And I did it completely to distract myself, not thinking that it was going to help me in the moment, but I just needed to do something productive, something else besides thinking about where I wasn't. And it's so funny how God works. Pastor Nathan decides the passages months ahead of time. And each time I get one, it's amazing how it seems to line up with what's going on in my life. You know, I used to think that that was just some coincidence. But the more that it happens, the more I realize that God really has his hand in everything. The passage Nathan gave me is uh, in Luke 2. And sitting in the car alone, this is what I read. This is Luke chapter 2. Verses 25 and 26. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So, now I'm thinking, okay, how does this relate to my life? How am I supposed to relate to someone from 2,000 years ago who got a vision from God? And all we know about Simeon, really, is that he was righteous and that the Holy Spirit told him that he wouldn't die before seeing Jesus. He didn't, he didn't know that it was going to be Jesus at the time, but he knew that he was going to meet his Savior. So picture that. Every day, Simeon went to the temple to seek the Lord. You know, I bet his life wasn't perfect, but each morning he woke up thinking how he was going to pursue his Savior that day. That's a great life right there. How much of life gets put into perspective when you're pursuing the Lord? This year has been a lesson on letdowns. 
And it would be so nice to go back to the start of quarantine and tell yourself, listen, this is going to get bad. But you know what would make it better? You know what would give you so much more peace? If every day we woke up with the thoughts of pursuing Jesus. Life is so full of disappointments. But often we do that to ourselves. We make the mistake of believing that once we decide to follow Christ, everything is going to work out just great for us. But that thought is not in the Bible. Sometimes things do go bad. The Bible actually says that we're going to go through times of trial and suffering in our lifetime. So as things were going bad this year, I wish I could say, yeah, it wasn't like that. I, it wasn't the way that I wanted to, but at least I had Jesus by my side. I wish that was my thinking, but it wasn't always. And it probably wasn't in all of our thoughts either. Most days during quarantine, uh, I thought about how we're missing out on things this year. You know, no family reunion this year, no Cape Cod trip, not even going out to eat. And I'm a pretty optimistic person and I look for the fun moments, but they got harder to find some days. I kept focusing on what I was missing out on instead of what I could be looking forward to. And it's because I was focusing only on the bad. We were about to have a son, and in that moment, I was just feeling bad about how I wasn't going to get to have the experience that I really wanted. You know, but God isn't interested in us getting everything we've always wanted. What he wants for us is to come to the realization that he is all we need. You may be thinking when you hear that passage, yeah, well, that's Simeon's story. He waited for Jesus to come and he came. Uh, I feel like saying, but wait, there's more. One of the many great things about not living in Simeon's time is that we have the Bible now, meaning we know the end of the story. The Bible talks about what we should look forward to is that once we decide to follow Jesus, we get to spend the rest of our lives with the knowledge that he's by our side. And even more beautiful, it's no longer just about this life. We get to spend the rest of eternity with Jesus. Have you ever considered what it would be like being in front of Jesus one day? Imagine that for a moment. You're standing in front of Jesus. What do you do? There's a song that describes that moment of meeting Jesus and what that might be like after we die. It's by the group called Mercy Me. And it's called, I Can Only Imagine. I'm sure many of you have heard it. But the lyrics say this. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? The first time I heard this song, I remember I was in eighth grade. And a guy at our church got up to sing it. And he sang it so badly. He even said when he got up there, I'm not a singer, but this song has been on my heart. It was terribly song, but it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Because it was the first time in my life that I ever considered that one day I was going to be in front of Jesus, looking at him face to face. And obviously we don't know exactly what that will be like. We don't know how, well, we don't know how we'll react, but Simeon does give us a small glimpse of how he felt when he met Jesus. Verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, 
Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon got to hold Jesus in his arms. He was face to face with baby Jesus, which is something that the Bible only describes happening with him and Jesus's mother Mary getting to experience. And actually later in the chapter, it says that Mary treasured all these things in her heart, which makes us believe that this story that is being told in Luke is one that is being told from her perspective, which somehow makes it even more beautiful because it's Jesus's mom, doesn't it? In verse 35, it can, 33, it continues. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own sword, your own soul also, so that through, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What a moment for Joseph and Mary. But what a day for Simeon. This is what he's been waiting for. This is what all the anticipation has been about. And I'm guessing Simeon lived the rest of his life with this new perspective. No matter what life threw at him, he knew that there was a Savior who loved him and that Simeon would spend the rest of eternity with him. He must have had such peace in his life. If I could go back to waiting for my son to be born while I sat in that parking lot, I would have played that song over and over. Not because of what I was going through wasn't a big deal. It it was. But because I needed to be comforted. And I can't think of anything that would bring me more comfort than the thought of meeting Jesus one day. I was feeling sorry for myself for three hours in that car when I finally got a phone call that our son Caden was born at 6.40 in the morning on November 25th. It was actually a FaceTime, so I could see the doctor hold up my perfectly healthy son. You know, God gave us what we've been praying for, a safe delivery and a healthy son. Which makes me think for the next big event in, in our life, I'm going to pray for things a little bit more specifically. Like, hey, maybe I can be in attendance. <laughs> you know, not many people can say that they had one of their worst days and one of their best days of their life on the same day. And I now can. And that was a roller coaster of a day which could have easily continued on for the next couple days as well. I could have kept dwelling on the fact that I missed the birth or the fact that I wasn't even supposed to be near my own children in fear of infecting them or the fact that even just playing with my one-year-old, I had to have a mask in my own home. But I wasn't upset any longer because soon I was going to be able to meet my son. You know, I didn't get to meet Caden for two and a half days, besides seeing him through the hospital window from the parking lot. And that time felt like forever. But the anticipation of seeing him actually filled me with joy, and I didn't even think about being upset anymore. And when I did finally hold him, I almost forgot everything that we went through. The joy I got from holding him for the first time was beyond words. Like all of us, I had many disappointments this year, and none more so than missing the birth of our son. But what I've learned from studying this passage is that we can live knowing that even in our disappointments, our hope is not in the things of this world. We have the anticipation of knowing that one day we will get to be be with our risen Savior face to face. I feel like now I have a better understanding of what it's going to be like when I stand in front of Jesus because of the days I was kept from Caden. 
you know, I spent those days thinking about how I could be a better father, a better role model for him, a better Christian that would lead him. And when I imagine what it would be like meeting with Jesus face to face that first time, the joy is almost too much. I thank God because he gives us these joys on earth to get just a dose of what it will be like when we're with him. So no, this year didn't go exactly like we were expecting it to. But even though things didn't go the way that we wanted, even though life will let us down often, we can be sure that Jesus is right there with us in every one of those disappointing moments. One thing that we can have hope in is this. Jesus is our Savior in 2020 as much as he was in 2019, just as, just as much as he was in Simeon's time, and just as much as he will be in the coming year. So what we need in 2021 is for us to realize that no matter how it goes in the coming year, that the number one thing we need is the same thing that it was last year. That in the good times and in the bad, we realize that Jesus is right there with us. And thanks be to God. Happy New Year, everybody. God bless you.